It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Nation. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Lockdown Avalanche Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Lockdown Avalanche. Good day to be an Avalanche fan, is it not, fans? What a week they had. Three road games, three victories, the last one in Boston, dominating performance. We're going to get into that. Uh, obviously, some injury news. Like always, these ones hurt. I think you know who we're talking about, but uh, we'll get into that as well. First, as always, social media. Follow me on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Instagram and Facebook, just search Locked On Avalanche. And send uh, emails my way, questions, concerns, comments. Give me your opinion. Whatever you want to send, LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So, as we uh, kind of looked forward to this week, we can look back to last week and think that might have been one of the best uh, performances that we've ever seen in this last game against Boston. Really, these last three games. Uh, The one game in Toronto, a great effort by that team. That was a hard, gutsy game. Uh, Then next day in Montreal, another hard-fought game, more in control. That I mean, they were in control of the Toronto game, but more in control of that game. Um, Montreal came back and they had to really bear down on the defense and they did and then going into Boston you knew it was going to be a a, a dogfight or at least you thought it was going to be but the Avalanche really just stuck it to what everybody believes is the best team in hockey um, and now the Avalanche have beaten them twice the two times they're going to face them this year they've beat them both times uh, first time of the season, they handed the the Bruins their first loss, overall loss of the season. And now they just handed them their first home loss of the season. So uh, I, I know a lot of people maybe want to see this as a Stanley Cup final. I, I definitely would myself. Maybe that's a, maybe not a bad thing for the Avalanche because the Bruins will be coming at them the next time that they see them, if the next time they do see them in the Stanley Cup final. But um, f- for these two games... Against the Bruins, uh, the Avalanche have been dominant, and and I I don't know if the Bruins, I mean they played them once already, so and it wasn't that long ago, obviously, but I I don't know if the Bruins were ready for the speed of Colorado. Bruins have some speed of their own, but you know not doesn't match the speed of Colorado. Not much, not many teams can match Colorado speed, but Colorado came to play from the moment that puck dropped. And it didn't really seem like the Bruins did. Like once they got behind, I don't know. They, we'll get into it and we'll get into stats and stuff like that. But the Bruins just at times seemed like a, a lost team, which is odd. Um, that was their second loss in a row. They lost to the Chicago in overtime uh, the previous game. So now they have a two-game losing streak, which is bizarre in Boston Bruin land. But that doesn't take away from what the avalanche did on Bruins home ice. It was really complete domination through the entirety of the game. Even at the end, 
uh, when the Bruins obviously were just going for broke and throwing everything that they could um, at Francois. Um, and yes, it was Francois, another injury again, which we will get into in a moment. Uh, they were on a power play. Bruins were on a power play right at the end. Landeskog took, I think it was a high sticking penalty. So they pulled the goalie, and it was even six on four. And they couldn't get anything through. The defense was incredible by by Colorado. Um, Landeskog added an empty netter when he came out of the penalty box. But, wow. Um, we'll get into it. We'll hear from Coach Bednar, uh, and we'll, we'll hear the, uh, the goal announcers. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the Kale McCarr injury. Uh, really, you know, the injury bug is what it is. It's, 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 you know, it's the avalanche season to be injured from top to bottom. Um, and now it's hit, you know, the golden boy, Cal McCarr. And it had to come from Brad Marchand, didn't it? I mean, if it came from anybody else, I think we would, we, not that we would be okay with it. You know, one of our stars is, is hurt, but I think it just, twist the knife a little bit that it was Marshan. Um, and the hit was legal. We're not going to dispute the hit perfectly fine hit. Um, and he kind of caught him seemed like in the arm or the shoulder and right away, McCarr doubled over. Uh, he finished the shift, but in pain. And then as soon as he was able to get off the ice, beeline right to the locker room and it didn't look good. And the other side of this is as far as today, this is, you know, recording this on Sunday night. It's been crickets from the Colorado Avalanche today. Nothing. Zero update. I had I searched high and low, far and wide, anywhere I could for some nugget of information on how he's doing, and I got nothing. Which is understandable and a little odd at the same time. Um, Sunday, you, sometimes you don't really get a lot of news coming out of a locker room on a Sunday. But the Avalanche are playing tomorrow. They are playing, or, you know, if you're listening to this on Monday, they're playing tonight. So they're playing Monday um, against Calgary, I believe. Um, yeah. So we got to hear, you know, we'll know tomorrow within, or again tonight. We'll know Monday. I should just say Monday. We'll know Monday uh, what's going on if he's if he's going to be playing, if he's not. I I. Again, and this is coming off of nothing because I found nothing. Just the, just knowing how the injuries have gone this year and how the Avalanche handle injuries, I think he's probably going to take that day off. I think he's probably going to take Monday off. They have Tuesday, uh, they have Tuesday no game, Wednesday against Philadelphia. So my guess, give him a, a couple days. But again, this is going off not knowing the severity of the injury. Maybe this is a. a who knows, maybe a broken arm or something. I don't want to, you know, jinx or anything, but it didn't, you know, he hit him standing up, didn't knock him over or anything like that. Just kind of like stopped him in his tracks. Who knows? It's all speculation at this time. Um, hopefully tomorrow seems like we've been getting more updates from coach Bednar on Mondays about injuries after, uh, after practice gate, but we'll see. All we can do is hold our breath and and hope he's okay. Obviously, so he's a, he's a big part of the team, um, and you just hate to see a young guy lose a lot of time. If that's the case, we hope not, but um, just gotta wait and see. Now, Philip Grubauer, obviously, he's out as well, and again, no no update on him today. Not nothing at all, really, coming out of the Avalanche camp today. 
from any injured player. Um, it seemed like Grubauer, what, he kind of stretched his leg out uh, to make a save on a breakaway. Did make the save, but got hurt in the process. And when he, that play eventually stopped, yeah, he came off the ice, slammed a stick down right into the locker room. So two injuries on the day, two more injury, two more injuries, both head right to the locker room. Grubauer was anger and frustration, and Makar was just pain, sheer pain. So uh, add him to the list. <laughs> uh, but, man, when uh, Pavel Francois came in, locked down, he has been – he he's needed to be. Everybody's needed to be. Everybody that's pretty much come in and, and filled a role from an injury has been spectacular. And I think if you're going to pick one guy that has come in um, through an injury, has, has played, filled in a role because of an injury, you got to put Francois up there with the most impressive. You know what I mean? You're going up against the Bruins. And the defense helped him. Let's, you know, let not not sell him short um but he was flat out amazing again tonight so uh you got to be happy with the avalanche goaltending across the board when grubauer's healthy he's been great um and when francis just is filling in or he's just got his his start he's been fantastic so we'll wait hopefully we have some more news monday morning on some injuries uh for now the the game itself like i said the abs were they were fast. They they seemed like they they are a fast team to begin with. It seemed like they just kicked it up a notch because they knew they were gonna have to against this team, and uh, it didn't start out the way that they wanted it to. Bruins got the best of them when I believe it was Chris Wagner got a goal right off the bat, but a few minutes later it was Valeri Nachushkin tying it up. Did with the yellow, lost the handle on it. Slot down low. Nachushkin scores. Nachushkin able to get the bouncing puck and Carano with a backhander and the Avs have tied the game at one. Oh, the big fella's really heating up. My name is Paul Stewart, a third generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. 
For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Nachuskin, I mean, what can you say about this guy right now? Has taken him a little while to get going, but once he did, his foot has been pressed on the gas pedal, and he has been my boy. I'm loving watching this guy play. He's putting all his heart and soul into his game right now, and it is finally starting to turn in his direction. I mean, there were talk, there was talk about when all these guys start coming back that we have back now, you know, like in terms of, um, you know, McKinnon, or excuse me, Rantanen and Landeskog, um, even this whole Taylor Hall stuff, if they bring in Taylor Hall, who's, you know, what's the roster going to look like? Some people were throwing around Nutruskin maybe being demoted in some capacity. That's not happening anymore. He has been more than capable of filling multiple roles in on this team, and he's been playing his heart out. I, I, you, can, you can't do anything but root for this guy. He just did did not get really get the opportunity in Dallas, and it sometimes the guys just need a, a change of scenery. Uh, bring them in and show them that uh, you know we're we're relying on you, and this is not just uh, we'll come in and see what you can do. It's come in and you need to perform. And he's been doing that, and they've given him some time because it's obviously taken him time to get on the stat sheet anyway. But, man, he has been uh, a joy to watch uh, the, the the past you know month or so. And like I said, you can't do anything but root for the guy. <clears throat> but um, So that kind of tied it at one. And then it was um, Ian Cole playing in his 500th career game. Got his first of the season on a wicked slap shot that went top shelf. That was a thing of beauty. Here's Donskor. Leading his way out of traffic, creating space for himself. Sends it up top for Barbario. Give it off for Ian Cole to the circle with a shot. He scores! Ian Cole settles it down and rips it home. And the Avs have taken a 2-1 lead for 28. It's his first goal of the season, and that was a beauty. So, yeah, definitely a thing of beauty. Um, what a shot by Ian Cole. Didn't know he had it in him still, but <laughs> he, he uh, I think, wanted to kind of make a mark on his 500th game. So um, that put the Avs up 2-1, to one, and that was in the second period. And then uh, kind of just some back and forth, but the Avs were putting the clamps on, on Boston. I think at the, after two periods, Boston only had eight shots on goal. And if you told me that was going to be the their stat at the after two, I would have called you crazy. Um, as we're, we're, we're doing, they were shutting down. You didn't hear the names of Brad Marchand or Pasternak or Chara hardly at all during the game, just because the as were were stopping everything. And the the Pasternak one we'll get into as well, uh, because you can credit Nikita Zadorov with that. We'll talk about him after we hear Jared Bednar talk about him a little bit later. Um, but Burkowski added another one in the second, continues to play incredibly well, what may be uh, the pickup of the offseason so far, at least for the Avalanche. Um, and he got his 12th 
of the year. Like I said, to put the abs up three to one. Popped it up to Zadorov. Tried to find McKinnon. It rolls right to Donskoy. Now Nate at center ice. Gives it up for Burakovsky. Gets behind everyone. Shoots and scores! Andre Burakovsky puts the Avs on top 3-1 to one on a beautiful play by the Avs. It was broken up in their own zone. Burakovsky. All right, yeah, and that one was impressive because Boston was really kind of putting the pressure on towards this at the end of the second in the Av zone, and they had two possessions in a row where they kept the puck in their own in their offensive zone for over a minute um, at a time. And this was the second one of those, and the Avs were tired, um, and you could tell they were just chasing. And they finally got it out of the zone, and um, I can't remember who passed it to McKinnon, but McKinnon kind of had it right around center ice and had it for a brief second, kind of like shovel past it over to Burkowski, who was streaking. And he got behind the defenders, and I don't think those defenders, I, I got to go back and look at the replay, but I don't think those defenders had changed out. So, you know, Boston could have been tired themselves. You know, you're kind of a little less tired when you're, when you're on the offense and you're kind of like making moves and, and making crisp passes. Yeah, I think your just adrenaline takes over, but when you turn the puck over, that that tiredness comes roaring back, and Burakovsky just bolted and got behind him, and uh, made a a beautiful goal to put the Az at three to one, and that was huge. And I was saying to myself, and I even posted a tweet saying, I'd be a little bit more comfortable here if Colorado could uh, maybe get one more because you know the Bruins are going to come out guns blazing into the third and and even before the second was over they got that Burkowski goal which was huge um so going into the third Bruins came back obviously through everything that they could at Francois he was great defense was great and uh like I said Landis God got that penalty so it was a six on four because the um and the um the Bruins pulled their goalie and uh, McKinnon or excuse me Landeskog finally exited the penalty box and uh, when they got back to six on five again, they let nothing through. I think they had little, so they the um, the Landeskog penalty came obviously he had a two minute penalty, and I think there was like two minutes and thirty something seconds when he got it. So obviously they pulled the goalie. So I don't know if they got a shot through. It was just unbelievable. And then finally Landeskog collected one and uh, put in an empty netter to. Seal it if it needed to be sealed anymore at four to one. Time winding down at TD Garden is back ahead as McAvoy threw it off a leg from center ice, fired into an empty net by Landeskog. He gets a freebie, and the Abs will lead four one with two point two seconds left in the game. And that sealed it. An unbelievable performance, and uh, Abs are are looking like a, a possessed team, even with all these injuries. Uh, that brought them to, I'm going to get some updating standings for you guys here, that brought them to 19-8-2. They have two games in hand, and they are two points behind St. Louis for first in their division. Six straight victories, like we said, and um, if you're going off of St. Louis, St. Louis has lost two in a row, surprisingly. Avs are in the plus-minus for goal differential. A plus 28, which the only one that they trail are, believe it or not, the Bruins, who are plus 32. Capitals are plus 27. Uh, and that's it. Just just a dominating, dominating performance. And uh, we're going to hear from Coach Bednar right now as well to see what 
he had to say about the victory. Take away from these 60 minutes, you delivered them their first regulation losses. Uh, I liked their game a lot tonight. Yeah, I thought we were skating. Forecheck was rolling early. Um, it was a tight checking game, but it had good, really good pace to it. I thought both teams were pretty disciplined. And then, uh, you know, we made we ended up making a couple plays. We lost uh, Grubauer, you know, shortly into the game. Frank Hu came in, did a great job. Um, we lost McCarr for a while at the end of the game. And, and so with a short bench there, I thought our D did a nice job. Lots of sacrifice too, especially at the end on the penalty kill on the five versus six and four versus six guys getting in front of, in front of shots and blocking shots. Uh, real good commitment there. Defensively, was this your best game of the year? If so, why not? Why is that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, you know, just pick one or two out, but this is definitely, uh, you know, we checked, the, we played the right way tonight. We got guys above the puck all night. Guys were skating and tracking and, you know, I thought, um, you know, for part of the Montreal game, uh, it looked very similar to that, even though I didn't like our third. And it was, it was uh, you know, a lot of good things, good habits, good details, uh, especially on the defensive side of things, for sure. Z shut down 88. Your thoughts on his performance? Yeah, I thought he was outstanding tonight. Yeah, he's been really good now for a handful of games in a row, um, really taking a lot of pride in his assignment. And, you know, we played a game against our opponents best here recently, and, and he's been doing a real nice job physical and not taking any penalties and um, he's a hard guy to beat when he, he can skate he's a big body and, he, and he's been he's been playing real well as good as I've seen him play what are the injury updates on the two guys that you mentioned yeah I don't know yet yeah I'll have I'll know more probably in a couple days as far as just kind of when they're on a six on four how intense is that knowing that while you have forwards indeed you can roll out it's still they have a two-man advantage at a critical part in the game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's scary because you look at their power play and some of the weapons they have and the, the patience and poise they have to move the puck, and they're, they're really in sync with their, with their special teams and, and power play especially. And, and so when, you, when you're dropping down to four guys and they're getting six, it makes it even uh, tougher. But like I said, the guys did a nice job getting in some shooting lanes. We got saves when we needed to. We got lucky on a couple that missed the net. So good all-around effort, though, for sure. So to do all this without Philip, without Kale, I mean, what's that like for you to see, knowing that you can do these in late-game situations without two of your best players? Yeah, well, it's important. I mean, we need everybody, and we, you know, we've been like that all year. We get a lot of injuries, and we've had other guys step up and elevate their games. What you need? All right. So let's talk about one thing that Coach Bednar was talking about, and that's Nikita Zadorov. And I had said uh, in a previous episode that Zadorov found himself in and. Bednar's doghouse multiple times the past couple years. Um, and you can tell he is relying on him to play his role and play his role the right way and not have these stupid penalties that he's so prone to doing. And it led to, what, 27 minutes of ice time? Now, some of that is obviously because of McCarr being off the ice and Johnson still not back. He had to fill the role, but he's doing it the right way like you know okay these guys are out I can put him in there now and he will play his role I don't have to worry about him doing stupid things I need him to do 27 minutes tonight and he's gonna have to do it and do it proper and he did uh and th- and that's not just this Bruins game Zadora's been doing this pretty much since like the start of maybe like towards the end of October on he had some dumb penalties early in the season. Didn't necessarily get benched, but his minutes were going down a little bit. And I think Bednar talked him up. And now we have a Nikita Zadorov that's playing, believe it or not, smart hockey. 
and and look at look at the difference. Just look at the difference in his play. You can be physical and brutal, but be smart about it and not take dumb penalties. And he he's just been he's turned it around, kind of like Kadri when he he came over here. He, he's turned his kind of attitude around. Um, Zadorov obviously is still here, and last season and this season is a completely different person. So um, it's good to see. It's good to see that they're they're taking to what this uh, formula is to winning and seeing that the results and saying like, wow, uh, and maybe if I pay attention to this guy, I can learn something and play a, a different style than when I'm not tip that I don't typically play, but it gets results. And in the bottom end, you're winning bottom of the line is you're winning. So why would you not want to go down that road? But He's, he's been great. So now the question is what goes on from here? Because when you have as much success as the Avalanche have had recently um, and a very successful road trip and everybody's looking at you to be the Bruins or play a good game against the Bruins and you, you go above and beyond uh, in, in the game against them and really kind of own that entire game, is there a letdown? I don't want to bring this into the show right now and, and say, you know, be the yin and the yang, but um, it now teams are coming after you. You've woken up like the sleeping bear and the rest of the NHL. Not that people weren't paying attention to the avalanche. I'm not saying that, but they were in that, okay, you got to show me. You just showed them a three-game road trip against three pretty good teams. You know, Toronto has turned it around recently. Um the Canadians had a, a bad eight-game losing streak, but still very much in the mix. And then the Bruins, and you beat them all pretty much handily. And now you got the whole Taylor Hall situation, where everybody's thinking that you're going to get Taylor Hall. Um, you have a you have a target on your back now, and not only do you have the target on your back, who do you have coming into town in, on Monday night? Calgary. Who doesn't like you because you took away their Stanley Cup aspirations in round one last year when they had their number one seed. So you you can't – now is a time where you cannot let up because these teams are coming after you now. And um, you got more injuries with Kale McCarr. You might not play tomorrow, Monday night, sorry. Um, who knows what's going on with Grubauer. We don't know, but you you've you've made life difficult for yourself in some roundabout way, which is fine. That's what you want. It's, you don't want this to be an easy thing. But if you thought you were going to be the team that kind of was like that team that always like slides under the radar, has an excellent season, but you let the the upper echelon teams like get all the notoriety while you're just there playing your your hockey and winning games and nobody's really paying attention to you now. It, people, like I said, were paying attention to Colorado. Now they're paying attention to them even more because of what they just did last week. Probably for the rest of the season and including this whole Taylor Hall situation. If you get him, what I just said even increases more, probably tenfold. So uh, it, it's exciting time, but a little nerve-wracking because now we're going to get uh, the best of what teams have to offer. And I welcome that challenge. You can't beat uh, this entire league and win a cup if you don't have some challenges and getting other teams a games obviously is that challenge so awesome awesome week last last week uh, let's hope for another one this week let's see I said they play 
uh, Calgary on Monday, day off. They play the Flyers on Wednesday. And then the New Jersey Devils on Friday. And on December 16th, they say play St. Louis in St. Louis. So, yeah, we're going to be looking forward to that one. So, But got to take care of business right now. Going to throw out my three uh, quick three stars of last week, not named Nathan. Um, I got to give third star to Ian Cole just for his, his goal on his 500th game. Congratulations to that. Second star goes to Nikita Zadorov. Kind of talked about him earlier. Shut down play, shut down defense. And the, the amazing thing is, like, didn't score a point <laughs> in any of those three games last week. But to me, that doesn't matter. Like, you you prevented people from scoring him. You prevent David Pasternak from, from getting anything going, you deserve a star. And my first star is going to go to Pavel Frantzos for two wins and then coming in off the bench against the, the Boston Bruins and shutting them down. Um, like I said, two weeks in, in the win, or two wins on the week. And he's just been the best backup goalie in the league. <laughs> I don't think they give an award for that, but maybe they should. If they don't, I'm giving it to him now. Uh, if not for him, this not might be a, such a, a good season. Um, if not for all these guys that are stepping up, it, it could be a disastrous season. But they're not. We're still not we're not very much in the mix like we are the mix and i think uh in in, let's see maybe i usually do on wednesday or thursday the power rankings of the week really interested to see now where all of these sites have the avalanche after beating boston twice so um some sites didn't have them above boston even though they beat them and i'm willing to forgive that that early in the season but where we are now now we're into december they better be bumping them up a little bit, in my opinion. So that is it for tonight, guys. Um, didn't really have time to preview the Calgary game, but they're playing tonight, Monday night, and uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Win or lose. Hopefully win for seven in a row. All right, guys. Enjoy the game. Here's the other. Go, Abs, go. Go, Abs, go.